Welcome to Ted Quarters, the podcast. I've got my colleague Hamel Javeri coming up on the show in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk about the baseball. I always want to talk about the baseball. And I don't want to get too deep into the details, but Major League Baseball has been changing a lot over the past few years. And one of the latest trends, and now suddenly one of the most controversial trends, is that teams are asking for less and less of their starting pitchers in terms of workloads. And they're going more and more to relying on setup relievers to cover the middle innings of the game. There's a handful of reasons for it. Uh, One of them is simply to preserve the health of the starting pitchers, especially when you see it this early in the season. But it's also pretty decidedly an effective strategy for actually winning baseball games. And and Mickey Calloway, the Mets manager, laid it all out pretty clearly before a game I was at this week, and that's what has me thinking about it. You're almost always better off with a fresh arm for the start of an inning over a tired arm that the hitters have already seen that day. Just about every starting pitcher does worse uh, with each subsequent turn through an opposing batting order. Uh, Not every guy gets as worse at the same rate, but uh, there is an advantage uh, not just because you get to you get more flexibility, you can exploit individual matchups, uh, but there's certainly an advantage just in having a fresh guy coming in, throwing the ball as hard as he can, not really pacing himself, a one-inning type guy. If you watch the Indians in the 2016 postseason, uh, if you watch the Dodgers really for the whole season last year, every time anybody but Clayton Kershaw pitched, uh, or if you watch basically any team last October, you should be able to see that it works. There are times when you are best served pulling your starting pitcher in the third or the fourth or the fifth inning and just mixing and matching with your bullpen guys from there. So the criticism comes, obviously, in the instances it doesn't work, and ultimately you're always going to need the players to perform. Uh, And then you get, on top of that, you get like hardo types who are insisting that these teams are coddling their starters and that they are sensitive snowflakes who can't handle the pressure of the seventh inning or whatever, and that is extremely dumb. That's bad. That's just dumb thinking. Uh, it's It's not coddling teams. They're not... Like trying to shield, they're not trying to shield starting pitchers from the weight of the world. They're trying, the way baseball teams work, they're trying to get literally every bit of value they can from every single guy in their organization. So if you're taking innings off a guy's shoulder now, it's because you think it's the best way you're going to get more innings out of them later. And, and it's as simple as that. There's no, like, oh, these guys aren't man enough to handle it, or whatever you're trying to say. It's that these guys are being taught uh, that pre- preserving themselves is, is the manliest way of going about uh, ensuring they have long and successful major league careers, and they do the most they can to help their teams win. It's a, it's a different mentality, and it's one that is aimed at keeping the best players on the field, which I think is a, is a noble goal. And I think what we're seeing now, the starting pitcher's getting pulled, pulled in the fifth of a shutout, middle relievers flying off the board in free agency when, when no one else was getting signed, teams keeping their best relievers out of the ninth inning role, uh, like the Diamondbacks did with Archie Bradley so they could keep him in the seventh and the eighth inning. I kind of think these are all very little indicators of a 
way bigger change that's coming down the road. And I think you're going to see teams soon start abandoning the structure of the standard five-man rotation entirely. And that has been what's like basically dictated pitcher usage for decades. And I think that it's dope. I don't think this is like a super hot take. I just think if the point is to make the team better, then the effect is to make the baseball better. Uh, if it means you're not going to see as many guys throwing 200 good innings in a season, and it might you know, change the way we look at the stats a little bit, uh, it also means you're going to see a lot more guys throwing 120 overwhelmingly dominant innings in a season. And I think you're going to come to enjoy that too because it's cool. It's fun to watch. It's If you watched a guy like Archie Bradley in the role he was in last year, you see that it's an extremely exciting thing to have a dominant reliever that a team can bring in uh, in the sixth inning of a game to get you know five outs or six outs or whatever it is. Look at every sport, right? Gameplay in the NFL, wildly different than it was 10 years ago. Gameplay in the NBA is wildly different than it was 10 years ago. I don't know enough about hockey to tell you that the same thing is true, but I assume that the same thing is probably true of hockey and soccer and bowling and golf and everything else. We have access to way, way, way more technology and way more information, and smart competitors are always going to try to use that to their advantage. Baseball has always been a sport of ebbing and flowing styles and strategies, and it feels to me like the advancements of the past 20 years, the past 10 years, the past 5 years, are just accelerating. It's just every year, uh, new stuff is happening now at a, at a much faster rate than any time before in my lifetime. And I think that the, I guess what I don't get is resisting the progress or insisting that it's bad because it's different than what you're accustomed to. They are, again, trying to make the baseball better, and you're saying, oh no, I liked the baseball crappier. This is a sport where for as long as I can remember, teams were never willing to break the mold, even just a little bit, out of the fear it wouldn't work and everyone responsible would get canned. And forever, it just felt like, you know, oh man, there's all this tool, cool stuff teams could be doing, and people like me were on the internet writing about the cool stuff teams could be doing and probably should be doing, and it felt like no one's ever going to do that in case it blows up. And now it's actually happening. People are... People, it's actually happening. Teams are trying new stuff. Teams are using their best. The idea of using your best reliever in middle innings 10 years ago was like a, a quixotic long shot that was never going to happen is now really happening. Teams are going about building their bullpens better way. And now people are climbing out of the woodwork to be like, no, I hate that baseball teams are trying all this new cool stuff. Embrace it for the millionth time you watch sports for fun. More variety in how teams go about playing baseball, to me, is fun. That's more fun. Uh, and speaking of the baseball, I, this is an awkward transition, but because of the baseball and a bunch of home openers and day games this week, I've got a relatively short show. The only segment today is with my colleague Hamel Javeri, as mentioned, and this is Hamel's Begrudging Q&A. <laughs> All right, Hamill, welcome back to your own special segment. Uh, are you ready to begrudgingly answer some questions? I am begrudgingly ready to answer some questions. Well, good. Uh, the first <laughs> one, the first one I got, I don't know if this even pertains to you. Uh, and and it's more, it's presented more as like a factual question, and I, I don't even know how to answer it. But 
Uh, Joe J at JSJ35 wants to know, are the Star Wars prequels making a popularity renaissance? Are you a Star Wars person? I am not a Star Wars person. I thought that was the case. It's weird to me because you're so into like comic book movies and stuff. Well, so this is, I actually really like this question because it gives me a chance to talk about how all of a sudden I have suddenly become like the de facto nerd at For the Win. Yeah, you're because, really a nerd. Yeah, because I happen to like a handful of comic book sci-fi things. Um, well, and I'm I, not really comfortable with that position. Um, I like a lot of sci-fi things, but not as much comic book things. Uh, but yeah. so, but not, but not. So, do you think that maybe? Do you think that maybe your tastes have evolved, or you've just been all of our other nerds left, and now you've sort of been <laughs> shoehorned into this nerd role? Well, it's definitely that all of our other nerds left. Like I feel like so... when we, you lose Nate and you lose <laughs> yeah. like a big portion of your nerd quotient. Well, we lost Nate, but very Foss, early on we lost Foss. Yeah. And he was like king nerd of These are all two of our coworkers. People should know these are two of our coworkers yeah. and uh, and nerds. Yes. So we lost uh, former editor in chief Mike Foss and then I don't know what Nate's title was, soccer extraordinaire guy. But they were like the top two nerds, and then they left, and all of a sudden the mantle fell to me to write about Marvel films. Um, so that's kind of a roundabout way of saying that I just I don't get the Star Wars hype at all. It, it's just not a franchise that I connect with in any way. When did you see? In what order did you have you seen all the movies? Um, no, I have only seen like the movies that. The original ones that were like released in the late 70s early 80s okay and and then i didn't watch any of the middle ones with like natalie portman and ewan mcgregor i didn't see any of those i think those are the prequels that he's talking those about, are the prequels or... that he's talking about and those movies are atrocious they I've heard are that they're awful. so incredibly bad and so like i suspect that he is correct that they are having a popularity renaissance because I imagine the attention around the new movies and, and the ones coming out is probably making people go back and watch those old ones. I will not join their ranks because those movies were abhorrent. Like they were, they were not, and I'm, you know, I'm usually, I think I'm pretty forgiving about like cool looking movies where stuff mm -hmm. blows up and they were just so bad like that they were so bad that and i loved like uh episodes four five and six which would be the original three i love mm -hmm. those uh, especially like as a kid what, like there was a summer when my next door neighbor and i just watched them like every single day we knew the names of all the different ships and stuff and, and you know and the the tie fighters and x-wings and all this stuff and and then the those three new movies came out and it was like i don't want anything to do with this movie franchise anymore it's horrible they ruined darth vader for me like they now now i know darth vader to be lame and that changes the whole <laughs> it changes like the whole timbre of the entire series because you're like oh darth vader's not this like super evil badass guy he's just this like lamo who is mad that his girlfriend died and i had no like i don't want to be sympathetic for darth vader and so that killed it for me the new ones have kind of so you haven't seen any of the new ones either no, no, no. I've seen, yeah, I've seen the new ones. Um, we're talking about the ones with... Uh, yeah, you're right. The ones with Natalie Portman and Ewan McGregor and... No, 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 no. We're, I thought we're so... Well, now we're moving. Yes, we were talking right, then, about those old ones. 
Yeah. Right, right, right. We were talking about those old ones. So those I haven't seen, but I have seen this like recent slate that just came out within the last three years, something like that. The Force Awakens, whatever this new one was called. Um, I've seen those. The and Last I thought they Jedi, were... I believe. was The, the right? Last Jedi? Is yeah, that I think, what it's called? I think that, or maybe that's the next one. I don't know. I saw it. Whatever it was, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it, and I thought it was perfectly fine. Um, I thought, and, I, yeah, and I felt that way that would be about my review all of as well. them. Um, I would say that both of, uh, I guess, so the, they've had, they've done three newer ones, which are like episode seven and eight, and then Rogue One, which was like, it takes place in the Star Wars universe, but it's not part of this sequence. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was the best of, the best since the original three, and like arguably as good as uh, Return of the Jedi, which to me was like the worst of the original three. Um, and I thought that, I thought I'm with you on episode seven and eight. I would call them fine. Wait, so what is episode seven and eight? Is Those that... are the two. Um, so that would be The Force Awakens and whatever the recent, like, Luke Skywalker sort of emo one was. Okay, yeah, the one with um, Johnny Boyega and uh, Oscar Isaac, those guys. Yes, yes. Who's, yeah. is John, who's Johnny Boyega? Um, is that Kylo he's... Ren? No. Okay. He's... I don't know. I can't. I so that's I'm what so kills these movies. This again, but again, that's what kill these kills these movies is like. I just thought Darth Vader was such a badass, and the Emperor was such a badass, and now there's like, and I think that this is just sort of the way movies have evolved too, and like, mm-hmm. I think that it's like actual real good culture sort of seeping its way into popcorn movies that like now the bad guy needs to have like some daddy issues that he, you know, that he's dealing with and, and whatever uh, Kylo Ren just seemed like way, 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 way too lame for me as a bad oh, guy in the first yeah, two movies. Yeah, he's terrible. I, I don't understand. I don't understand the appeal of, of any of the, the franchises, the, the recent ones. He just didn't do a great job. Right. Um, oh, he plays Finn. Johnny Boyega's character's name is Finn. Um, oh, okay. That guy's good. That's the stormtrooper yeah. who goes... That's a, that's a cool... See, like, yeah. And some of that stuff is cool. I, I thought they were entertaining. They kept my... They held my interest for the two hours they lasted in the theater, which is more than I could say about the first three, which, like, made <laughs> me giggle with how annoyed I was. Uh, to me, like, the main... I would say the main barometer uh, for me, the number one, is, like... Do I forget where I am when I'm watching mm-hmm. the movie? And so, mm-hmm. if a movie can achieve that, then it is a successful movie. And then, like the next rung is, did I keep thinking about it after the movie? And that's not the case for the Star Wars movies. But I don't think I was really expecting that. I agree with that. Um, the only movie recently that has kind of let me forget where I am is Call Me by Your Name, because so many films right now have a tendency to try to incorporate um, modern day issues into their films that it's really. But you like, love modern day terrible. issues. You love yeah. modern day issues. <laughs> you love a yeah, woke movie. Sometimes I just want to go and forget about my miserable life and think about somebody else's life. But Call Me By Your Name takes place in like an Italian small town in Italy in the 1980s. And it's so disconnected with anything else happening today that that I was like, oh, this is just a lovely little vacation. Um, I, but watching Star Wars is just like trying to watch somebody make an analogy towards modern day times. And it was super frustrating. What I find is that a movie like Call Me By Your Name, while there's like some chance I would enjoy it and find it interesting, I will just never see that movie. Because I, if I'm going to go to the theater, 
and pay 20 bucks or whatever. Yeah. I want something big where, like, things explode. And, again, where I'm going to get, like, totally lost in it. And then, so a movie like that, I'm like, oh, I'll wait till it comes to Netflix. And then either it never comes to Netflix or it does. And it's like, ah, oh, I don't want to invest two hours on my couch. <laughs> like, I'll just watch another episode of whatever TV show I've been watching. Well, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot. It's like a huge emotional investment. You're like, uh, am I ready to watch like two hours of something that's going to be emotionally exhausting? No, I'd rather just watch eight episodes of House Hunters International in a row. Oh, uh, yeah. not See, that's emotionally exhausting for me, too, though, because <laughs> I am so filled with hatred for everyone on all of those shows that I it's like a I don't know, I, I don't dislike watching them there. That's like my wife's favorite television programming is people walking into houses and saying they need to be more open concept and so i like watching them to make fun of them and by extension her while we're watching them but uh but they're they don't i find them draining because of how much they make me want to go on the set of those shows and just start doling out wedgies like i think every single person that should be the show like there should be one of those on of those hgtv shows where like midway through these people complaining about like oh no like we thought we were getting a a beam and now we're getting a column and then like i just come out and give them like a monstrous wedgie I mean, I'm sure that'll do really well ratings-wise. It would be incredible. Um, but to get back to Joe's original question, I am going to say my one one sentence answer is that they're making a popularity renaissance, but it's not deserved. Okay. Because the movies haven't been great. Uh, okay, I'll give you that. Uh, but it, you know what? If it draws attention to the first three, I think that's kind of cool. Like those are those are hallmarks of our culture and like i think a lot of there it's like one of those things where it's like you kind of need to see this or else you're not going to get like half of the references people make in this world and yes. so it's nice to have like everybody sort of join in on certain things like that uh j destro j at j destro j uh guy i've met in real life he wants to know um i think he's kidding he's asked us a lot of just tongue-in-cheek questions but that's a good question. How he says, "How can I become more gooder?" How do you do? You, do you work towards self improvement, Hamel? Oh God, I hate to admit it, but I constantly work towards self improvement. Why do you hate to admit that? Because I want people to think that I'm too cool to like care about self improvement. Okay. But but I'm a constant. Um, I'm a constant resolution, goal-oriented person, and I have a long list of things. So yeah, I, I spend a lot of time on that, actually. Do you? I, I mean, I guess so. Like, I've been, I've been getting after in the gym and such. Um, so yeah, um, and I'm definitely like, there are things about myself that I'm sort of hypercritical of, and mm -hmm. especially in terms of like writing, it's I always want it to be better, and mm -hmm. I always want to do better stuff, and and you know, take on bigger things and such. I don't know how effectively I get better, but I do want to get better. I don't know what I'm doing. About. Like, I, I know that I'm getting in better shape because it's measurable and I can just go to the gym and know that I've done my part to do that. Uh, for, like, everything else in life, I think that's probably something that makes it enjoyable is that it is something you can measure and you can see progress. For everything else in life, there's just no real way to know, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about your internal standards, right, of what constitutes becoming a gooder person. Is it just the consistency of exercising that makes you gooder, or is it that you actually do get flat abs? Uh, well, um, I don't have the, are... I don't have the flat abs, but I'm <laughs> but they're like now all my clothes fit, and like now I have to throw yeah. out some clothes, and you know, so stuff like that. 
then you're like, oh, look at this. Like now this is, this is cool. This is paying off. I've been working hard and it's, and it's, it's actually achieving something. I'm a much hotter guy now than I was 10 months ago. Right. But is that really the spirit of his question? Because that's really self-serving, right? You're just a hot guy now, right? Uh, got... It's good though. It's that's good for the people. I mean, really? People get to look at me. Good... People get to look at me. It's good for everyone. Okay, but then you still continue to wear cargo shorts with pockets. So I'm, I'm not I sure only, how that I out. almost exclusively wear cargo shorts <laughs> while covering spring training games. Uh, it's not, Right now I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt like a full-blown hot guy. So I'm looking good. I'm looking good. <laughs> and that is good for people. I don't know if that makes me – yeah, I, I don't know that I'm being a better person. I would like to be a better – I mean, you know, I – I, I, you know what? No, no. I, I feel confident. I'm not saying I don't want to be better. I feel confident that on like the grand scheme of humanity, mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. a pretty decent person, right? Like I get out of the way when the subway pulls in and people are getting off the train. I will make way for the people getting off the train. I am hyper conscious of like not inconveniencing people. I'm very polite with like waiters and waitresses and restaurants and the people making my coffee. Like I try to be friendly and generally decent mm -hmm. and empathetic in life. And so I don't know, like, I would like to be better. Everybody should want to be better. But, like, I don't – I think I'm there. I think I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. But how many self-sacrificing things have you actually done? Like, his question is, how can oh, I well, become I mean, that, more that, gooder? So that, that whole dynamic changes – at least changed for me, like, six months ago because now I have a kid. So Now you have goes, a kid. It goes from being, like, well, no, I, I want to watch TV now to be, like, okay, like, everything – because this kid, you know, like the, the what ha it's a, it's like a biological thing because you don't right. you don't care so much. You're like, yeah, sure, like I'll I'll skip what I was gonna do because I need to watch the kid right now because you enjoy the kid so much and you enjoy caring for him so much that it's just like okay, like this is it doesn't feel like a self sacrifice, but it is not like oh, would I rather change a diaper right now or like go to the batting cage? I'd rather go to the batting cage, but. I, I just kind of, you just kind of have to change the diaper. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's because you have a kid. That was yeah. a choice to have a kid. Like, right. that's not really answering his question. And it's I... rewarding to me, ultimately. Everything's selfish, right? Everything's, that's the thing. Yeah. Is this is like the high school philosophy thing. Everything's selfish. There's no selfless act because you're doing it, if you're doing something good, are you doing it really because you want it to be good? Or are you doing it because you want to feel better about yourself? Either way, right? Like if you're most, you know, what is it? There's a correlation between guilt and how much people give. So how can I become more gooder? Jay, I will say the first thing you can do is give money to homeless people. One of my like huge, huge pet peeves is that people are so sanctimonious about like why they won't give money to homeless people because they're so judgy about it, right? Like, oh, well, this guy's just, just going to buy a drink. Yeah, he's going to buy a drink or there's he's going to buy drugs or, or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? If that's what he needs it for, like if then go for it. Yeah, like, there's here a, is yeah, the dollar fifty that I can spare for you right now. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Like I and and again, like it's you know it's I can't give all my money to homeless people. I, right. Like, like it would be nice if I did. I'm not gonna. I, that's, I guess that makes me bad. I do throw a dollar no. at a homeless guy now and then. Or, that's what you know, I mean. Because because 
And again, I'm and I'm with you on that. There's a comedian, Jake Johansson. He's like one of my all time heroes, and he has an amazing bit about that. It's like people will say like, oh, he's just gonna buy a drink. It's like, well, okay, he lives in a box, right? Like they just let yeah. this, let this guy buy a drink. Let this guy buy let a him drink. buy a drink. It's it's and like it's unfortunate that that addiction and mental illness and all these things can lead someone to be homeless. And man, it would be nice to tackle all those problems on your day to day. But if you're not, you can at least make that guy's day a like tiny little bit easier for the cost of like a dollar which honestly is going to end up crumpled in my pocket and then like tossed on the floor and under the bed anyway right so it's not it's not yeah i'm with you on that it's definitely my one big thing that really drives me nuts but it's i mean i'm not saying that you can afford to give a dollar to every homeless person that you see because that's you know not something that's feasible financially but really the sanctimonious like well i can't fix homelessness in general so i'm just not so i'm just going to ignore it or pretend that it doesn't exist really makes me nuts but it's also kind of messed up how you're like how that works because i it's like oh that that like if that guy made a funny joke like okay yeah like here's a dollar but like the way sadder homeless guy i might just walk past oh no i i mean i we i started doing this in india because in india you see a lot of homeless people yeah and i would just carry like lots of small bills to just give to homeless people because uh, I, my sister is totally separate, but I was very much like, uh, I am a rich Westerner in this country. And for me, this is giving away like 25 cents uh, Mm -hmm. every time. So I generally like, if I try to keep like dollar bills, that's the only reason that I will keep cash on me. So it just happens to be like, okay, well, if I have cash, then whoever gets it, I'm not, I'm not like Ted. Who's going to make the guy tell me a joke. No, I don't. It's not (laughs) not about that. It's just like, it's just, for me, it's like, because it's still, it's still coming from a place of empathy. It's just that. Like when you are face to face with the person and and talking to them, then that's when I start feeling bad. And if I can just sort yeah. of like stumble over someone or or walk right past them, then I don't think about it enough, I yes. guess. And so I'm less likely to give away a dollar. That makes sense. Uh, um, but um, but at the same time, I don't want to do like if you got a whole spiel. Like if someone if a stranger comes up to you and starts talking to you in New York, they want money. And yes. so if you're coming up to me with a whole spiel, like, I'm just going to walk away. Just ask yeah. me for a dollar, and I'm much more likely to give you the dollar. I agree. Yeah, if somebody tries to give you a sob story about how they lost their phone and that they need money for bus fare back home or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, no, you need a buck, yeah. man. Like, that's that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't even want your story. I don't even want your story. I don't <laughs> yeah. have time for that. I just – but I will give you a dollar. Um, all right, this is depressing. Uh, two quick ones, two quick ones. Uh, Nate wants to know, I don't think you have a, and this is Nate Weiser, he is at nweiser09, I don't think you have a take on this. He wants to know if, if Mike Stanton, if, I'm sorry, John Carlos Stanton, formerly Mike, uh, and Aaron Judge will break Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle's record for most homemates, homers by teammates in one season. I'm gonna say no, just because the odds are always against that. Certainly they are as likely as anyone in the majors to do that. But the, the chances that two guys combine for 117 home runs is uh, extremely, extremely unlikely. If one of them gets hurt, there's no shot. So, no. I'm going to say no. How many home runs on average do do good players get? Well, so those guys, I mean, the the very, like, since the end of, like, the steroid era, or uh, whatever you want to call it, um, 
the the mm-hmm. highest are guys in like the 50s and and that's okay. really only in the last couple of years uh and because there's been so many more home runs because the ball is clearly juiced and so now guys will hit high 50s i kind of feel like we're due for a guy to hit 60 or 70 and make a run like that uh just because there are so many home runs being hit right now and again like if, if someone's going to do it it might very well be stanton or judge but uh, the odds are always against people. The odds are just always against people. Like you always bet on the record over the the incumbent or over the challenger in baseball. Uh, unless it's you know I don't know like this this year there will be more strikeouts and probably more total home runs across the league than ever before. But on an individual basis, especially that guys are getting more rest now. Uh, the Yankees look like they'll probably cruise to the postseason, and so uh, they'll be careful about playing time with these guys. And so I would just bet against it. All right, I agree with your assessment. Uh, last question, and this is from at Citar, and he just wants to know. So he he she shared with us a photo of a of a sign, a menu, um, and it includes an item that's called "Make Your Own Pasta." I, I guess he must not work in Midtown Manhattan because I knew, like, as I I didn't even get what he was saying was weird about "Make Your Own Pasta." Uh, because make your own pasta in like the they have these like corporate deli food bar things uh, in Midtown and make your own pasta means there's like a a few different types of pasta selection you can get like farfalle or or rigatoni or whatever and then you get broccoli and sauce and chicken or whatever else and then they they sort of like it's like stir fry but with pasta um, so he want he just wants like I think he's joking about the idea that you might make your own pasta at lunch but. Uh, I didn't even read it that way because I'm so accustomed to make your own pasta stations. Well, now that you explain it, it makes sense. Uh, but uh, I actually thought he did make mean like a make your own pasta. Go out there and roll out your own dough and that would be nice stuff. Do you do that? A lot seems of, excessive. Does your sister make make you a lot of pasta? My sister does make a lot of pasta. We have not made. She does not make her own pasta. Well, yet. yet. Uh, is she going to? I don't know. Um, she goes through phases. So she went through a baking phase. She went through a bread phase. I don't know what she, what she's in right now. Um, Home, homemade pasta, if you make it yourself, it's really good, but it's it's not so much better than like if you buy fresh pasta from a deli or from a supermarket, like not the not the hard stuff, like the soft fresh pasta. That's like mm-hmm. just as good as what you make at home, and obviously way easier to do. I think part of the problem is that she cooks for me, and I am notoriously unappreciative of change That's and terrible. culinary risks. So um, she could make box pasta, or she could go get really high-end fresh pasta, and I would still smother in it ragu. And she's just like, this just isn't worth it to her to do that. Uh, ragu. So, so like, <laughs> as a as the product of an Italian mother, like, just hearing the word ragu, like, sort of, like, makes me, like, cringe and, like, tense up a little bit. That's, like, so taboo in my world that that you could have i will was like every once in a while I'll get like a, a jarred vodka sauce because that's not something mm-hmm. my mom really made but like jarred tomato sauce is just like right out for me oh man i mean pile makes incredible homemade tomato sauce it's really good she'll she'll go and she'll get uh, a whole you know a huge box of uh, farmer's market tomatoes and then she'll do whatever you do to yeah, tomatoes and then freeze it and then make it throughout the year that's good. Um, that's what you're supposed to do. It's all really yeah. great. Yeah. And, and it's very, very good. But 
last year for my birthday, I really requested, I was like, okay, we're having a big party, but I want, you know, just like regular pasta with ragu. And then she made her fancy pasta and then she made this ragu pasta and she was super furious because more people ate just the ragu pasta than the fancy stuff that she made. (laughs) I would be furious too. She was right to be mad. She, I'm sure her pasta was better. It's not her fault that everyone at your birthday party has bad taste. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what she said. All right. Well, good. Uh, Hamill, thank you as always for joining me. Thanks for having me, Ted. This was kind of fun. You did not seem so completely begrudging. No, I didn't. I'll try harder next time. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.